You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. We're back for more digital noise. Right, Sulek, and I have so much to discuss. Oh my god, it's like we were just doing this, like, I don't know, like a couple of hours ago, but we, we had to come back to talk about more movies. To be fair, we were just doing this a couple of hours ago for the last episode. We were just like, we had such a massive stack. We got so behind, and we also went chicken wings. Chicken wings. Yeah, let's, get some chicken wings. let's get some chicken wings. There are few things as good as chicken wings. Um... Se- it's like chicken wings, sex, chicken wings again. Yeah. Chicken wings and sex. Yeah. Well, wait, what? What's what? too sorry? Sti- What's entirely on? too sticky. For Tangy? Me. Yeah. It depends on the sauce, I guess. And <laughs> Korean barbecue. Lemon pepper. Lemon pepper. <laughs> <laughs> that triple X buffalo. <laughs> no, not with sex. No. <laughs> No, you don't want the spicy wings for the sex. Oh, come on. I'm just saying mucous membranes and Oh god. The triple X and triple X do not go together. This this <laughs> the last episode was uh weather talk and this is sex talk with Chris oh, yeah. and Wright. Welcome to Sex Talk. Chris and Wright. Hey, we're here to smooth things over hey you ghouls and cats welcome to sex tech i'm not i can't oh uh, no, it's too no, cold no, the, to do crypt the keeper right now of the crypt keeper were last episode oh, okay. this is the new episode mm, to, yes i'll do vincent price i could do a little to, vincent we're here to spread your wings and discuss your sauce Ooh. in new our new podcast chicken wings and sex <laughs> right sweet looking chris cox What's your favorite sauce, Chris? Uh, well, you know what my favorite sauce is. Oh, yeah. What is that, baby? It's blue cheese. The only dip you use for chicken wings. It's ranch. You the man son of a bitch. actually you ordered fucking ranch asshole. with his ch- Yeah, because <laughs> I'm a normal goddamn American. No. Okay, so I, by definition, by definition blue cheese with cheese, is what goes Blue cheese is with, with, with chicken wings. Yeah, it is. It, it, is. it, is. it is. It's weird. It's weird that you would get ranch with blue cheese. No, it's fucking ranch, yo. Is your whole it's, defense just doing the imitation thing? The imitate what? That was, that was your intellectual defense. <laughs> <laughs> I am 12. I... Uh, <laughs> I was embarrassed for you listening to you. I was like, is this really where you're going with I'm it? No, I'm nowhere near as embarrassed for myself as I am that you like blue cheese with your uh, wings. But that's uh, so standard. So it's ranch, motherfucker. No, it's not. Ranch yeah. came later. No, no. So? What are you, a sorority Sorry, girl? We evolved, and also we thought like, oh yeah, blue cheese sucks, What's and ranch joke? is awesome. The best way, we used to say, uh, I apologize, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but when I was in college, I am. the joke was, how do you get a sorority girl to go down on you? 
dip it in ranch. Is that true? Yes, it's a hundred percent true. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna write that. I worked down. at a restaurant at one point, and like that's, that was on the college idea. campus. That's and a really good idea. All these sorority girls would come in, and they'd be like, "I would like uh, a diet right. soda, and I would like uh, a ranch, the food, <laughs> diet the bread on the ranch. side, and like everything, like super, super, super diet." And they're yeah. like, "And then three gallons of ranch." <laughs> can I can I admit something real quick before we move, talk about stupid movies? Uh, when I was a kid. Uh, at, in like elementary school, I uh, I developed the idea of dipping pizza in ranch dressing, and I thought I was revolutionary yeah, with this it already idea. Existed. You shut the living fuck it up. It did. I, I I know this now. It's really good. But, but see, I thought seriously, I thought I invented that when I was like nine. Ranch I was like, is- holy shit, guys! And see, then it started to spread like wildfire at my school. Yeah. It's like you're fucking welcome They're like right is a genius he's like that fat guy is a genius <laughs> he dips his everything in the ranch and so i was like yeah and then i was like and then it spread like wildfire like across the world it was like like did i do this no and like i'm i will say though i'm pretty sure i did it, it i think i invented pre- dipping shit into ranch it predates your childhood i i guarantee you i don't want yeah because i was that. when i was a kid before you were born it existed I'm telling you. Back in the 1820s. <laughs> I don't think they had ranch in the 1820s. But. I also, mean, there were some cool ranches. Okay. Well, see, like, I don't even care there were for, even like... even some hidden ranches. <laughs> oh, well, now, now we just need to talk about movies, because let's get into uh, really bad... Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we always have to start uh, joking around until Chris fucks it up, so... Yeah. <laughs> By putting things in blue cheese. Yeah. Um, blue cheese is better. By definite. Do you not like blue cheese at all? I don't really like blue cheese now. Oh, God. It's so good. I like I like sharp blue cheese. Like, like, uh, like. Gorgonzola. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like that. Uh, but like, but dipping this, like, it, it, something seems weird when it's like blue cheese is a sauce or a dip. Oh, I was like, so what the fuck is this? But that's what makes it work. It, never mind. Anyway, let's go into movies. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to start off with a Arrow, uh, sort of, now Arrow, home releasing, has been doing a lot more like, we were involved in the financing of this type films. Uh-huh. And it's been a mixed result, I'll be honest, with those films that Arrow's been doing. We talked about one in the last uh, session, Two Witches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this one, The Leech, feels a little more organic. Well, these does. guys did like what the signal and uh, and a couple other movies that are like super indie horror movies, yeah. and uh, they're like kind of a collective. Like I've seen these actors before. Actually, the the actor who plays the priest was in uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. Oh, which I haven't seen yet. I heard. It's oh great. my god, it's fantastic. Um, so watch Christmas Bloody Christmas. That's my recommendation. <laughs> Good night. Um, but- um, this is kind of a Christmas film. Is it? Kind of. I mean, there are points that take place during Christmas. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, so it's it was a movie that was shot during the pandemic because there's only four people in the movie. And uh, it's about a priest who is like basically he's a priest at a fledgling uh, in a fledgling community where the, no one goes to the fledgling it's not new it's just dying yeah i'm using the word yeah. wrong yeah it's a dying church where like no one's going to it like except for like maybe w- one person yeah the kid who like writes the music like uh this is also it, it, like 
it's it's an interesting idea because I'm like, so like, do churches just like exist? And then if people don't go, it's not like you lose your job. You just like you continue to go to work and just no one else shows up. Uh, like, I don't get how well, churches work. If you run a church long enough, and no one shows up. Eventually, the cast of Letterkenny shows up and goes like, hey, can we stay with you? <laughs> and that's kind of the plot of this movie. <laughs> it's like, what if like the the not even the main characters in Letterkenny who kind of have their shit together, but like the, the ones hockey are the, guys, the hockey guys, yeah, who yeah. are like a total mess, yeah, showed up and goes like, eh, we're everything's falling apart. Can we stay with you? And because you're a priest, you're like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, I guess. Okay, yeah, uh, okay. And then they're taking advantage of you, and things get worse, and then you start hallucinating that maybe they were sent by Satan, and then you go crazy. And. Uh, and it gets way more sexual than I thought it was going to get. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's a very interesting idea. I like it as a because it turns into a, a like a psychological thriller. I like it as a concept. Yeah, I'm not sure the execution, worked, <coughs> but it wasn't like I didn't dislike watching the film. No, it was just it did feel like this was a the, this felt like a proof of concept film more than it felt like a film. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Like it again it, with the limitations of the pandemic and um, and I like it that it is kind of bottlenecked with just a few people uh, in the movie to begin with because I thought it was I thought it was strong enough that the, the actors were pretty good. It's just that it's such a weird idea. It's like I don't, I don't in a way I don't know if like everyone was cast that well. I mean I thought it was going with a sort of like a comedy aspect at some point where it was like, okay, so the priests letting these people in, they get worse and worse. It seemed like it was going for almost a sort of absurdist comedy. Yeah. And then it goes like, well, but what if like he goes crazy? Yeah. Like, and that's the point, the third act that didn't work for me where I'm like, okay, I would never have let them in in the first place because it was patently obvious why not to. Right. You know, but I think also that being part of it going like I have zero sympathy for you because like, yes, you're a priest and you're feeling a a sense of like wanting to do good and all that. But even so, this is really obvious. This is a terrible fucking idea. Yeah. Yeah. And And you you end up not liking anyone except for like the the kid that helps out with the music. Yeah. And uh, and everyone's like super pathetic. I like it's not necessarily a fun watch. No. It's no. not a fun watch. No. It, it starts off kind of entertaining, but yeah. it it devolves into oh, I guess this is a horror movie. In a way. Yeah. Because it's it's one of those um uh it's it's one of those movies I've seen recently where people are uh really capitalizing on the uh synth wave and hard rock uh, like in older horror movies mm-hmm. where it's like it starts very subtly. Uh, and then all of a sudden the title comes up. It's like, Bawr! and it's like yeah. the leech. And you're like, okay. And then Which it goes, doesn't fit it. It doesn't fit it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of confusion with things like that. It's, it's, a, it, I think again, it, we talked about this in the last episode where it's the, the tone is kind of all over the place. And I, I see what you're talking about where um, it feels like it was supposed to be a, just a subversive comedy. But then it turns into just like a full blown yeah, horror. I in was the end. into it to the point where I thought, oh, this is going to get really funny. It's a good setup for funny. Yeah, yeah. Like in smart funny. But then it just felt like it was lazy to go into a horror film by the end. I was like, oh, okay. 
Like it it felt like it wanted to be a horror movie the entire time. And then finally like, no, we got to do it. And then you're like, okay, I I actually was digging the stuff that you were doing before. Why did you have to go down this route? Well, there's, this is the era. So there's a ton of bonus features, including a director by the uh, introduction by the director, introduction by the lead actor, um, uh, director and producer commentary, uh, live commentary with cast and director from a Chattanooga film festival and a Q and a from that festival as well. A uh, visual essay, essay by Anton Battelle uh, called Parasites in the Oven uh, that is sort of references the other films that influenced this. The Voice of Reason, which is an interview with two of the people from here, Fright Fest inter- introduction and Q&A from there. Mm. The Making of for 14 and a half minutes. Um, music videos. Mm-hmm. And then three early short films from this director. I mean, this is... It's fine, whatever. I mean, like, I, it's one of those films that I'm sure that if the guy goes on, this director goes on to do better stuff, you'll be like, this was a promising start, mm-hmm. but it's not the film you'll be remembered. For. I mean, he's he they've made a lot of movies together, uh, like the lead actor and this director, but like they've never really hit their stride. Well, continuing on to horror, in quotes, we have <laughs> 1976's Creature from Black Lake, a movie I've, I've heard of. In the past, I've, I've, I, it's one of those, I read a lot of books about collections of horror and stuff like that. I follow horror pretty insistently. Yeah. And I've always seen like, I've seen this on lists of stuff that's really? worth seeing. Um, it's 1976. Synapse Films re-releasing it on Blu-ray. Uh, a black it, Blu-ray. But one of the things about this, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. To insinuate, maybe it's 4K. It's not. It's, it's not. Blu-ray. Yeah. But. Uh, there should be a rule, right? Should be like black K should be like yeah, it's actually that's, in 4K. that's how they trick you. Yeah, it's like ooh, f- finally, creature from Black Lake I, is in I'm 4K. 4K. I've been waiting so long. <laughs> <laughs> so 1976. There weren't a lot. Well, shit. <clears throat> there were almost no uh, Bigfoot horror films that were worthy of speaking of or even existing at all. And there still isn't. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's one that's like exists. It's called Harry and the Hendersons. Okay, that's fair. That That's totally fair. It's very fair. I mean, I did say Bigfoot horror films, but that's not a horror. Wait, film. that's not a horror movie? Have you seen? Have you seen Harry bust through like the, the walls like that? That like, is hey, horrifying. Kool-Aid. He is destroying John Lithgow's house. All right, all right. I, I would be the, freaking the fuck out. That's not the thing. I th- yeah. think that's the thing. I was very horrified. Anyway, time. so it's uh, two college students who've come to a small, uh, <clears throat> rednecky town uh, to define f- define Bigfoot and to fuck. Well, I mean, not initially, but they come to uh, the second hand. They came for Bigfoot. They're like, and a close second is to fuck. A close second, and here's the thing: this weird film that starts off with a death, albeit a death there. I'm like, did I even? Did that even happen or was it just an accident? <laughs> he just kind of like fell in the a water. Bigfoot apparently reaches up at, out of the water because I guess he's aquatic now and <laughs> pulls someone out of a boat and the guy dies. You're like, oh, okay, that was terrible. Why was that there? Yeah. Fortunately, the rest of the movie focuses actually on a weirdly pleasant sort of character interaction between these people. Yeah. This is not a horror movie. No. This is a character study. Yeah. It, about uh, two characters who are just two guys that are friends and they're kind of fighting with like, no, we got to do about, uh, we got to do this report about Bigfoot. We like, we really got to prove this. It's not like getting rich and famous. It's more about like, no, we need to prove this for science. And the other guy's like, yeah, but pussy. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. so like, and they're much more successful in the latter. His friends are more correct. Right. 
Because like they go in there like, okay, let's get the pussy. And then they're like, well, the first two girls that like are giving you the eye, one of them is the daughter of the, the sheriff. sheriff who yeah. initially told you maybe you don't want to be here because nobody wants to talk to you about this Bigfoot thing. Except for one guy. And then because there is this in New Orleans. I think it's in New Orleans because everyone is like hickish from the bayou it's pretty hick well i mean like all right so this there was a previous film called the legend of boggy creek that was oh, it's yeah. a real success in yeah, 1972 yeah. which was also kind of a sasquatchy type thing right a sasquatchy Sas- it was sasquatch adjacent yeah <laughs> i just like sasquatchy <laughs> <laughs> just like it that squatchy. Term. It's squatchy. It's, it's squatchy. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> uh, you know, and this is by the guy who did Night of the Strangler, which is a minor but successful oh, yeah, horror yeah, film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Joy and Hauk Jr. Um, but it, it has a very TV feel to it, 70s TV feel to it, but it's not in a bad way necessarily because I expect a lot of stuff like this that comes across my desk to be like, kind of dull like there's a horror fans want every single film to be re-released all of them no matter what it was and i'm like never despite the presentation of the packet packaging i'm always like that means nothing to me just let's see it and see if it's worthwhile and honestly i was enjoying this more for just the interaction of these characters having fun and trying to get laid yeah like and their their whole thing when the sasquatch finally shows up in the third act you're like okay fine yeah (laughs) like it just it like the movie ends very quickly after that anyway. Yeah, because like, I I have to admit this took me two times to try to watch this because the first time I fell asleep and um because you I thought it was going to be in old seventies like oh no look over there and then like a Sasquatch like coming like like slowly getting you he's just squatching yeah he's just squatching and uh <laughs> it's but then. Like and I fell asleep after the first. I'm assuming 15 minutes because then I started watching it again. I was like, "Oh wait, wait, who? What's going on?" And then it's just these two dudes going to the town to try to like, we gotta find Sasquatch. You're like, but look at that poon over there. And I oddly enjoyed it too. Uh, like, yeah, I I kept fighting myself on it. I was like, I shouldn't be even liking this. Not because there's anything inherently wrong with it, except that it's just. There's something on the outside. On the outside, it's kind of banal. Yeah. But on the inside, it, maybe it's the performances of these actors who are weirdly engaging, engaging and, and charismatic. And charismatic, exactly. Yeah. Where I was like, kind of liking watching this film. It's, but I was almost annoyed when Squatch started squatching. You know? Yeah. Well, because <laughs> there's one point, like towards the end, when uh, they're like they're trying to get laid, and uh, and then. Sasquatch basically cox blocks him. Yeah. And uh and but he's like right there behind them and he's like Burr. Uh, and they're like, oh fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's like this is dumb. Now, I'm like, what because when you watch it, by the way, horror fans, this isn't really a horror movie. No, no. And it's about two dudes just like, yeah, but Sasquatch, but yeah, but pussy. And um and that's that's basically 90 minutes <laughs> that's of that movie. The whole plot. And, yeah. and also, uh, it, it feels city like, boys in the country. Right, That's right. Main, like fish uh, out of water kind of yeah, thing yeah. a little bit. Uh, but like, it's really, if you want to watch uh, an odd, like kind of buddy movie, uh, then this is it for the you. Whole, the whole thing with like, they're like, we're going to go interview the guy, one of the guys. They keep trying to interview the guys. And you got Ernest Borgnine like, as a weird sort of, not Ernest Borgnine. No, What's no, his no. Name? Um, uh, oh, I don't know. Oh, fam- uh, Jack Elam, famous country actor with the the 
weird twisty eye off to the side. Oh, oh, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Like, I always remember him best from um, uh, uh, Cannibal Run as the doctor in Cannibal Run. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. right. But he was an endless. Uh, westerns like endless including yeah. some of the all-time best ones he's a very well-known actor but he plays like middle of nowhere redneck who's like one of the guys they've been looking for trying to get the story because well, he he's the friend of the guy who got killed at the very beginning yeah yeah but the best is they go find this other guy who's like i we don't want to talk about it and his wife is all like oh she freaks out if you even mention it but then he's like he's a real dick about it but then they're like oh but you're so great and he's like okay fine stay for dinner <laughs> like, but the, don't you like, they this, say it's like it basically we'll, turns into the dukes of hazard for like 30 minutes yeah, it was yeah. Like, oh, we'll pay you 25 dollars like well come on in and it's like <laughs> what is this movie i started thinking about it like this should be remade but with like seth rogan and bill Hader, uh like just a comedy duo i would and, love that and it, it has like no sasquatch change it from the south to like serbia or something like that serbia <laughs> Or Canada, Kazakhstan. Just like it's like because it makes a little bit more sense to be in like in colder weather rather than yeah. like in the goddamn bayou. Like okay. Anyway, I think we made our point. You like? No, I don't think we did. We're gonna talk about fun. this about fifteen oh more minutes. God. There's a commentary with film historians Michael Gingold and Chris. Uh, oh my god, Pagiali. Uh, Swamp Pagiali. Uh, for 19 minutes interview with cinematographer the legendary Dean Cundy legendary Dean Cundy who's done so many different movies and oh really he's one of those guys like best known for probably some of his low budget all right we're gonna like wiki him right now so I can get the list we're gonna wiki Dean, Dean Cundy sing it keep singing sing while we're gonna uh, wiki him so hard because we need to know what he did for his he career. He did a lot of stuff. He has been with John Carpenter, Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis. He fucking did Jurassic Park. He did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Where Holy he, shit. he did Apollo 13. Yeah, he's a legendary cinematographer. I was about to say, like, oh my God, he did Flintstones. He did The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. He did Big Garfield. In China. Yeah. He did Looney Tunes back in action. All three of the Back to the Future films. He did What Women Want. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're just naming. He did The Parent Trap. You're just naming the bad ones. He did yeah. Flubber. Okay. Yeah, he did Crippendor's Tribe. I think I've been clear about all Hold the on, I'm not done yet. He did, uh, he did oh the Flintstones. God. He did. Actually, he did Death Becomes Her. I'm just going to Well, that was Ben Digital Noise. Thank you, right? He did Hook. You just killed the show. Oh, my God. No, wait. Hold on one second. Of all things that he did. He did all these great movies. He also was the DP for Nothing But Trouble. Okay. The movies you you are aware of the movies you've named have largely not been good movies, right? Yeah. But have you heard <laughs> of a little movie called Hold on one second, I gotta uh Psycho Two? Um Psycho Two is actually fantastic. I thought it was it was the Psycho Jaws. three is not so good, but Psycho Two is really good. Jaws of all right, so we got to move on. No, this guy isn't. He did Halloween? Dean Cundy is a legend. Yes. Holy shit. All right, we're moving on to the next one. Which oh, is- shit, he did Creature from Black Lake. <laughs> Sorry, that's stupid. And Wright Sulek's body was <laughs> We're moving on. 1956's The Rainmaker, a, ro- a romance comedy directed by Joseph Anthony. Uh, based on a 1954 play, but of the same t- uh, title, which is about oh. Catherine Hepburn, which I'll be honest is the main reason I was like, I'll watch this because it's Catherine Hepburn and she's one of the greatest actresses who quite ever frankly lived. ever lived. Yeah. Great, um, greatest actors. Uh, and 
she plays a middle-aged woman who uh, has trouble with the fact that she uh, is in love with the local sheriff and it's totally unrequited. Uh, yeah. But a con man comes to town who's like a literally snake oil peddler played by Burt Lancaster, uh, who is the, the town is suffering from the fact it hasn't rained for a very, very long time. Nobody's crops are coming up and his promise is, I can make it rain. And she is... I can make it rain. She is not dumb. She's cynical and she's smart, but she falls for the man she sees behind the facade. Yes. And that's what makes this film interesting, quite frankly. It's... Uh, I, I was halfway expecting to be slightly bored. Uh, and... Because of Catherine Hepburn and Burt Lancaster, this is the, I haven't seen a lot of movies of his, and he is such a strange person to watch on screen. <laughs> he is an odd actor. He's no so odd, but he is so much fun, because he is so big when he's acting, and, like, he's a, he he's actually perfectly casted as a, as a con man. It's just cast. Cast. Yeah. I'm going to say casted. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, it's... It's it's really interesting to see his in a slight like uh, his uh, arc uh, where Catherine Hepburn like like as you said starts to see through the facade of yeah. him and he opens up a little bit uh, and to see that like it it feels kind of like newish for like such an older movie I mean, it was like that's really cool there's a tradition especially in musicals of the idea of the lovable <laughs> con man yes yeah um, uh certainly david mamet explored that idea as well later in his work but the most yeah. famous example is harold hill and the music man right right like this idea like yes he's a total liar but oh my god can uh, it's hard not to can love you blame him? him it's hard not to love him he's yeah. just so delightful uh, and this is kind of one of those where Burt Lancaster, known as Bill Starbuck, is just, it's just kind of hard not to like the guy. <laughs> you're like, well, I know you're full of shit, but the you're whole, really fun to hang out with. The whole family, like the dumbass, like younger brother, the dad, like they also all know too that he is like purpose, he is fucking them over. And they're like, yeah, but give him a chance. I'm like, what? <laughs> like it was that easy to con people and they welcomed it? I'm sorry. And like, who was the previous president? Uh, of America, tr Trump. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. Just saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. It's, uh, yeah, people, Americans fall easily for charisma. Very, very it, much. Although so. that confuses me with Trump as well. I'm like, you right. think that's charisma? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't get it. But, uh, but also like uh, Lloyd, young Lloyd Bridges, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, he's just kind of the dickhead older brother, where he's just like, he's a piece of shit. Like we shouldn't trust him. And uh, as an audience member, like, yeah. So what are you doing? Don't do that. This is surprisingly more fun than I thought it would be. I think the plot is a little stayed. It's a little like, okay, we're, we see the, where this is going early on. It's very, Once they set up the pieces, you're yeah. like, there's only one way this can go. It's, well, And I do like how it ends, uh, that it's not the way that I thought it was going to go. Uh, but it, what I think I, I forgot that it was actually based on a, a play. It's mm -hmm. like, this feels very stagey. Where it's like it all takes place basically yeah. at the the house. Feels like a play. Yeah. yeah. And Catherine Hepburn earned her seventh Oscar nomination for this role. Wow. Seven times. Uh, she lost to Ingrid Berman uh, for Anastasia, which I've never seen. So I've I, never seen it either. I can't comment on that, but I've never seen this before now. Yeah. But this is well worth seeing. I, I feel like it feels like it should be a, a big musical. 
Sure. Yeah. It, it feels like. Oh my god! I would love to hear it feels uh, like, Burt why Lancaster is, sing. Why is this the drama? This should, I'm the rainmaker. No, this totally feels like it should be a musical and not like a standard narrative, right? Y- right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Maybe that's what feels like it's missing because like all the elements are here for a musical, right? But it's not a musical. Yeah. 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 No, I I totally get that. Like even their costuming just feels like they should just be whipping around and like because his costume too is just like. It, this feels like you're out of Oklahoma. Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Oklahoma, <laughs> where Burt Lancaster comes roaring down the plains. Oklahoma. There's not much extra here. There's audio commentary with writer and film historian Julie Kurgo, who uh, talks about a lot of the history of this film, uh, and then the trailer. But this is normal for the smaller Kino Lorber releases. We're going to move on it's, to... Wait, it's from a 6K scan of I, the 35 millimeter. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Yeah, is there such thing as a 6K scan? Wait, hold on. When you touch this, does it burn? When you touch the disc, he's holding the disc right now. Does it burn a little bit? Does well, I smell tingly? toast. Are your fingers tingly? I mean, I I, I taste almonds. Shit, uh, that that it, one's from the future. I'm sorry. No, shit. That wasn't supposed to come. That wasn't supposed to come out. I apologize. Ow, this shit. won't be out for 17 years. I, God damn it. Yeah, I know. I get. I have this problem. <laughs> you have this problem getting getting six <laughs> K future <laughs> releases of did. <laughs> well, dude, I, I at least can tell with the ten K ones because I'm like right off the bat, they look wavy when you look well, at them. I'll say this: this uh, this is why you need to get a PS five because this shit played on my PS five beautifully. Nice. All right, we're gonna move on to a film. I was dying to see, especially after Fantastic Fest when we oh, reviewed. Yeah. The previous film uh, by the same director. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the film we saw at Fantastic Festival? What was it called? It's like Power Rangers. Something it was like that. not called Power Rangers. Um, the Quentin Depew is the director. Yes. What the fuck was it called? I'm uh, blanking on what it was called right now. Nope. Nope. Don't know. Lost it. Don't know. It was good. If you look on it's good. Infestation, we reviewed it, loved it. Fuck, it was like Power Rangers if they were anti smoking, and that was their whole thing. Oh, thank, thank, thank you for smoking. Thank you for smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what. <laughs> no, wait, no, that's a different movie. No, uh, smoking. Smoking co- causes coughing. Smoking causes coughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. So when they introduced it at Fantastic Fest, they were like, we had two Quentin Depew films, The French Absurdist, to, where we could pick either one. And it was really hard to pick which one. But in the end, we went with Smoking Causes Coughing. Oh, this premiered there too? No. Oh. They had to choose only one and they picked Smoking Causes Coughing. Oh, I see. I see. Because they both came out in the same year. Incredible But True was the other one, which is now out with Arrow. And I'm like, I will watch every Quentin Depew film. I love Quentin Depew. He's just, he is either you love his movies or you're like, I don't get why anyone loves his movies. (laughs) You know, he's one of those guys. I I think he's getting better. Yeah, no, because like his earlier uh, stuff, I know that like Rubber, it, it's funny, just like I, it's crazy. I totally dug Rubber, but I was like, I wish this was better. Yeah, and then I've watched him get better. Yeah, and his films have steadily gotten better. And like Deerskin is amazing. You talked and about like, that. Like, like uh, oh my god, I forget the name of the one that all takes place in a police station. So good. wrong cops. No, no, no. I'm I wrong cops is okay, but that was that was actually the film after Rubber, I believe. But um. Uh, uh, keep an eye out was the name of it. Really, really good. Incredible but true. Oh. It's not as good as smoking causes coughing in my mind, but it's still equally a director who a comedy absurdist who's moving forward and getting his unique. I'm the only one doing this skill set. Yeah, down. yeah. <laughs> well, he feels like a. 
he's like the absurdist like Wes Anderson in a way. Yeah, like I mean, he's not into the whole symmetry thing. But, no, not really. But like he, uh, I, he, his, uh, he's the way that he shoots his movies feels very, like again very purposeful. It's yeah. not like a, uh, like all willy nilly like surrealist crap. Or whatever it is, but like this, this is a, well, a like, lot more subdued than even, his other he's movies. He's not even surrealist. He takes a surreal idea and make it, and then he tells an absurdist film about it. And there's yeah. a difference. Like he takes, it, it's like Python. I don't think Monty Python is surreal. I think Monty Python is absurdist. Right. It takes a surreal concept, but it, it, but then it goes through naturally with what would happen after you establish the concept. Right. Like, like if, if it was put in a realistic situation, yeah, like, like, oh, real, what would you do? What would happen if there's this and no one questions the surrealism of the initial setup? Which, funny enough, this is one of the few that I've seen that does sort of question it, which I thought was very, in a way, adult uh, or just uh, like an interesting way that he uh, approached the subject because his at least the other movies that I've seen of his it's just like it's all presented of matter of fact and like there's superheroes and there's a tire that kills people and like this one is like well what if you could but they're not wildly shocked either though they're like really well I I don't know like I I think that the uh, okay the Uh, plot tell the plot okay the the plot is this this couple who uh, are moving into a new house <laughs> and then the, the real estate agent uh, basically tells them and they do this bit a couple of times where he's like, this is an incredible thing that you have to know about. And if you don't know about it, it's it's going to be incredible. It's like an astounding thing. You need I'm to know trying about. to sell you on the yeah, house. Because and, it's so he's cool. just like going on and on. Like, just tell us what it is. And it's like, OK, there is a hatch in the house where if you go through it, you uh, the, it, it uh, it's like you know, just a, a few feet down, and it actually takes you back into no, the a same lot spot. Of feet down, it takes you like an hour to go down. Right, yeah. uh, but but you go you go twelve hours in the future, but you go back yourself three days in the past in like, terms of physically physically aging. aging. You become two days, three you know, days, three days younger, younger but. It takes 12, 12 hours, hours to in go real through. time to go through. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and they're like, what? Okay. And so the, the wife is just kind of like, oh my God, that's amazing. And the husband's like, I don't really care. I don't really care about that. I don't care about aging. It's no big deal. And she then becomes obsessed with it. Yeah. And it starts to break apart their marriage. And they have this other couple who, uh, his boss, who has an electric dick. Uh, and yeah, that, this is where thing. the honestly, the other thing you're like, well, that's weird. <laughs> the electric dick is weirder. The like, weird, yeah, yeah, that's the weirder part. <laughs> and uh, and his uh, girlfriend uh, is like, it's great. <laughs> so there, there's that whole subplot. But the, really, the the biggest thing is the uh, plot around the the marriage kind of falling <laughs> apart. And uh, and I thought it was actually kind of poignant. Uh, the 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 point they were trying to make is. You know, our obsession to either look younger or uh, obsess about the past of like things that you could have done. And now you're here and you're like, okay, well, what do I do? And uh, and then you have the chance to go backwards. But it's the sacrifice of in this particular situation, her relationship with her husband and how it starts to degrade, well, their marriage. And I thought it was... I I liked it a lot more than anything I've seen of his. Okay. I... I 
I preferred Smoking Causes Coughing and some of the other films because I like his just random, I'm here for the laughs. This is no question more for I'm actually trying to more overtly say something yeah, than yeah. those other films are. Yeah. This is much more organized than those are. It's still his sense still of abs- sense absurdist of absurdity, comedy yeah. and a surreal premise and characters responding to the surreal premise in a sort of like nonplussed sort of way like okay i guess that's just how it is yeah you like, know okay. uh, like <laughs> but, but then like but i do like how it, it when the 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 relationship starts to degrade how the husband is reacting to it is mm-hmm. like oh no we need to do something about it. like there's like a last like there's a 10 minute stretch where it is just a montage of just like their lives like starting to devolve i was like whoa this is crazy like i i was starting i remember watching it i was like how long has it fucking been uh, like <laughs> uh, just like music playing the entire time and all these characters lives are just like passing by it's i think this is a deeply solid film like everything i've seen by quentin depew yeah and i think that he's really evolving and changing as a filmmaker as you said yeah it's fascinating watching this path because he started from and has continued on to some extent with such a surreal, I don't give a fuck, fuck you. His director is like both middle fingers up, like, fuck you. I make exactly the movies I want. Yeah. I don't care if you like them or even come to see them. And yet we're coming to see them and liking them. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he feels like he could care less if you like his movies or not. And I kind of like that. He's very punk rock in that way. I guess so. Like <clears throat> I, um, I, I think that he, He's always had a really good sense of his his absurdist style where he uh he's still making oddly watchable absurdist movies mm-hmm. unlike Dave Lynch. And uh Oh my god, really? <laughs> and I but and at the same time what I thought what I always think that is great about him is that his sense of humor is fantastic. And that's what makes his movies very watchable. Yeah, he's extremely funny yeah and in this one as well although again i feel like this is less about the comedy than smoking causes coughing yeah yeah is, which i'm not entirely sure what the point was of smoking causes coughing other no. than to make you laugh but it made me laugh a lot it made me laugh a lot yeah. is I, I that's why i think this is by far the better of the two okay i go yeah. the other way but like that's me yeah that's great um, this got cast and director interviews for about 16 and a half minutes upside down inside out which is appreciation of the film and a pew by uh, critic Elena Lazic, and then some trailers. Wow. Right, Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! What the fuck? You did that on mic? Wow! On my mic! You're a monster. Mm. All right, we're gonna go on to a movie we've talked about before on the site, which is Three Thousand Years of Longing. This is now out on 4K and Blu-ray. Were you on the review for this? I just don't this know. is my first time seeing it actually. Oh, okay, yeah. So. The basic premise here is George Miller, first off, who did the last film was the tremendously well-received, shockingly, shut up, from all (laughs) sides, both critically, artistically, a wide audience is Mad Max's Fury Road, who knew the fourth film in a trilogy would get this much kudos. And Best Picture nominated, all that shit. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. And is 
moving on to a fifth film in the series, Furiosa, a prequel film uh, starring Anya Taylor-Joy re- uh, playing a younger version of Charlize Theron's character from Mad Max Fury Road. Anyway, which just completed principal photography a few months ago. Oh, my God. Um, but 3,000 Years of Longing is like he just had this idea that had been sticking with him for a while that he couldn't get rid of, that he'd been developing and just over time was like, finally, I got to, okay, fine. Everybody wants to see what I have to do now. Fine. I give me, I'll do this movie. I want to shit this one out though. Right. And that's actually true. He's been focused on this idea for a while now. Apparently, Yeah. I've I've heard about that is that this has been a passion project for him, for him for a while. And it's one of those movies that you see that you finally get to see their passion project. You're like, Oh, you should have done that. If only you had finished it. Yeah. (laughs) It, I, it felt like this is the movie that like somebody it felt like eyes wide shut or something. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, this is building to be something amazing. And then they went and then George Miller went back to his home planet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this this should have been honestly a limited series. Because yeah. like I think there was a lot going on here. And like there's a lot of sequence. Okay, so it's Tilda Swinton plays a I forget what, what she does. She's uh, a narratologist. A narratologist. Is that a thing? Yeah, actually it is. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. Uh, so she stor- she studies stories and storytelling. And she's in, I don't know, somewhere. And uh, and she finds, she goes to a little I antique think it's shop. Istanbul, but Istanbul? not Constantinople. <laughs> and uh, oh, the, there's confetti falling from the ceiling. What? Oh, I'm the eight millionth person to make that joke. I hate this so much. <laughs> I, but she finds a bottle uh, at a little shop. Uh, and yeah, God damn it. Uh, and of course, there's a genie inside played by Idris Elba. For me, it was just single malt scotch. But, <laughs> <laughs> but and so he the whole story is him telling him, telling her uh, how he got there. Yeah, well, uh, him going. You get three wishes. She's like, yeah, I'm you. You get the whole thing is that I, 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 un, I study stories for a living and I know that the shit never plays out well. Yeah. It's like, it's the monkey's, monkey's paw, paw and yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to make wishes because this is dumb. I already have everything I want. And he's like, okay, bitch, listen, like I, please free me. I am in the bottle because no one has ever finished their three fucking wishes with me. They do two. And then they're like, you know what? I'm done. And you're like, or for whatever reason, and I'm still in the bottle. I am a sentient human being with feelings and emotions. And she's like, I don't know if I can trust you. That what he needed was Homer Simpson. Yeah. Like a good ham sandwich. And then uh, yeah. a back scratcher. Soldana. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just like, Oh, that was really easy. Uh, but it's just very like it's, overwrought. It's, it and feels like. A, have you seen the Sandman show or read the Sandman comics? I, I saw the the show, uh, but I I know of Sandman. Okay, so it feels like Gaiman when he was writing the Sandman, he would write these sort of interstitial bits that were like short stories mm-hmm. that would take place. And in fact, they filmed two of them that took place at like. After the series had ended, they're like, surprise bonus, here's two of these. The cat one which, and then something else. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, which was really cool. Yeah. But he would do that regularly. And then later, towards the very end, he would release like more and more of this stuff. Yeah. And it feels like one of his books where it's like. Sure. One of those where it's like, here's this sort of like 
on its own little story that feels like it's part of a much, much, much bigger mythology, but ultimately it's about storytelling. The yeah. point of it is about storytelling. It's about characters telling stories right. inside of a story. That's what this is. And when it's doing that, it's great. It's fun. It's creative and yeah. cool. And the effects are neat. And the performances by Tilda Swinton, Idris Elba are fantastic. Yeah. Um, but when it has to come to an end and figure out why we're even here in the first place, it, it bungles the end. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> kind of a really, it, it kind of, it, yeah, it took me out of it. The win, like it finally basically got back to the present. Yeah. You're just like, you're like, so what, what are we going to do with this whole story? And it's like the decision they make defeats everything that has come before it. That and, and like, it, it doesn't, the, how one character feels towards the other, it does not feel earned at all. No. And it feels like that that character didn't, didn't learn anything from the story that Idris Elba was telling. Yes. And it was like, what the fuck is going on? Or even was honest with herself about what she was saying she wanted from life. Right. I was just like, look, uh, first off, I have a hard time believing that any person, even with your experience would be like, I got no wishes. Right. But then for right. her to go through everything she has in that experience and then basically it's not really her wish per se, but for her to go the way that she does to make the decisions she does feels like it's like you've learned nothing through your whole existence exactly. and education. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it, it feels like, uh, you know, if you if you have written stories and you have like one idea that you've had, I guess at this point, like decades or something like that, and you just never really knew how to end it. And you're just like, you ask a couple of people like, I just do it that way. And then you just did that. And that was it. And you're like, oh, that didn't really add up very well. And which leads me to believe is like, okay, one, you probably shouldn't have written it and do it in the first place, or you should have let it gestate even longer because you just couldn't crack it. And it just, it kind of bungles the end, which was really unfortunate because I was digging it. I was digging the hell out of it. I, I don't know that. if I was digging the hell out of I it. Was. I was. I, I, but it's largely because every time it's modern day and Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton are on, st- on screen talking to each other, yeah. you kind of wish this was just a conversation play. Sure. You yeah. Know? No, like, yeah. I don't want to see this stuff happening. I want to see Idris Elba telling Tilda Swinton about it. Just telling her about it, not going and seeing the scenes. Yeah, I want yeah. to see him just talking to her and her asking him questions. See, that would be interesting if actually to see this as a stage play instead. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's just conversational based. Yeah. 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 No, I, that's I, that's a really cool I, idea. I, but fix the ending. You're welcome, George Miller. Yeah. Or whoever does that. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to... Oh, anything on this goddamn thing? No, there's none. There's nothing. There's nothing? Yeah, there's no bonus features. You mean I didn't watch nothing for nothing? Yeah. Well, I'll be damned. Uh, next, we have Peacemaker, which oh. we've talked about again at length on the site and on every other site in the world. We're talking about the HBO series that is a spinoff of James Gunn's uh, The Suicide Squad uh, involving the character of the Peacemaker. Uh, played, oh, that's Played by John from. Cena. Is is Peacemaker from the comic? Yes. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is yeah. it he anyway similar at all? Tiny, minor character. Oh, really? That Gunn was like, I have good ideas to do what to do with. I mean, almost every character in his Suicide Squad. Right. Super obscure, like, Z-less characters. Yeah. But that's why it's great, because 
they're like, well, we didn't have any big plans. You can do whatever you want with these people. I mean, great. If you turn them into huge stars, we're super excited. But right. honestly, there's almost no backstory. You can do whatever you want with them. You know, it's and- it. See, he does really. I mean, I mean, for how much trauma sucks, like he does a lot with a little, a lot of little. Yeah, uh, like he just he does a lot with little, a lot with a little, a, does a lot with little English. Uh, Do you English- speak it, motherfucker? <laughs> you flock of eagles. What? Um, <laughs> and with with this character, I, I watched it when and I will come down on okay, my co-podcaster well. with furious anger. <sighs> Chris, I swear to God. But I watched the show Julius. when it. I know what it is. Uh. <laughs> I watched it live on HBO, and uh, I, I I actually watched this again. I didn't watch it again. Uh, I didn't watch it again either. But yeah. I watched them twice when they were coming out. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I did that. I think I watched the last episode. And twice. I watched the opening sequence. Like, I don't okay. even know how many. Times. So this show should just get a goddamn Emmy just for, just the, for the opening. Just the opening. Yeah. It is amazing and hysterical. Yeah. And I never skipped on HBO, I was like, no, oh, no, 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 I did eventually, but the first five oh, episodes or oh, so, I, did I was like, okay, I'm watching this. Yeah, like I did not watch, I did not skip any time. I was like, this is too funny. I this is what they mean by everybody dance now. I've always <laughs> wondered, <laughs> and it's it's such an oddly endearing comic book TV show. It's so he John Cena is the the hero that we actually need, other than the Rock. Uh, cause it's, I, I, what I like about it is what I like about it is that he is the guy who is the toxic as fuck American who thinks he knows what America needs to be saved, who is forced to confront the real America in the idea that it's so much more fluid and so many more people in it than he thought there possibly could be. America is not what he thinks it is. And the show goes into where that came from, from his mm-hmm. incredibly toxic father, played by a character uh, Robert Patrick plays in here, who is based on actually a major villain in DC Comics as well, who's bigger character than than uh, Peacemaker. Oh, really? Actually, longer what was it? History. The White Dragon? Yeah, yeah, much longer history than Peacemaker. Oh, wow. Yeah, even though neither one of them even faintly resembles what they are in the comics. Oh, really? Right? Okay. But it's you know a funny take that that's the case. Like he's a neo-Nazi piece of shit. And Peacemaker is like just kind of a dumb kid. He's got incredible power and he doesn't know how to do it because he's not that bright. He's just has never had that many influences. Nobody wants to talk to him. He's not that likable. Nobody around him wants to be around him. But because he's got this power and this connection to previously the Suicide Squad and now into the sort of sub-Suicide Squad, he starts meeting people that are not like him and have different ideas and starts changing as a person. And it's really, really fascinating what the show is trying to do. Yeah. Because even though that sounds like the most liberal thing you've ever heard of in your entire life, (laughs) the show is decidedly playing up front, like offensive. Like, oh yeah, it's going like this is like going for really gross and offensive jokes right out of the gate. Like the way the first time you saw, saw South Park, you were like, "Holy shit! Yeah. Like, what the fuck?" And then realized, "Oh, that's not what they're. 
oh, I see what they're actually doing here. Right. Peacemaker is going for the exact same thing that South totally, Park yeah. was going for when it started. Yeah. And I think it is really intelligent, especially because it's a DC and nobody more than DC fans need to hear this type of thing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> James Gunn is the hero that we deserve and need exactly. right now. Exactly. Because we were talking about this before. Uh, that Like... When James Gunn is now taking over and like you know everyone's boohooing about Henry Cavill, which I I liked him a lot as yeah. as Superman, it was like, but also those movies were all like actually bad. Yeah, they none of them were really that good. Yeah. Sorry, nerds, you're fucking wrong. Yeah, and James Gunn is right, and also he has a what is this thing? It's um. Uh, sense talent. of humor, sense of humor, a sense of humor, yeah, sense talent. Of humor. talent, yeah, yeah. People and, like him, yeah. And he yeah. Ri- he writes like well, uh, and like his characters are, uh, you know, you like them. Do you remember when? He it's got, weird. It's a weird concept to bring to the. I, table. I still love to say, and this I feel like goes like also towards people who get overly sensitive about things that people have said that maybe were off color that made them feel uncomfortable. Way long ago, he on Twitter said some stuff that made people oh, feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. He was being. He was expressing humor in a way that was supposed to express how absurd that was. Right. right? People took it out of context. Right. And he got Marvel. And, and he apologized. And Marvel shut him down. He immediately went, I get it. Whatever you guys want to do. This was my intent with this. But I understand this offended people. And he was incredibly sensitive and forward about saying, I get it. It's fine. Whatever you want to do. It's cool. This was the way a mature adult response. Mm-hmm. And you know what? James Gunn now is not only the head of DC's creative department, but Marvel is even like, we'll keep working with you too. <laughs> it's, he, he is the fucking king of superhero movies now. Yeah. Like he can just say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll have you back too. It's like, I bet you fucking will. He wrote his own ticket by being a decent human being. You see how that works? It's crazy, yeah. right? He can be, you can be both a decent human being and have a complete, completely anacro like sense of humor, you know, and still write really great stuff. Yeah, like it's and he's he's a great director. Yeah, like he, he he like visually he's really great. Uh, he he gets fantastic performances watch, out of his actors. Watch Slither if you've never seen Slither, Slither is well. great. Slither is so good. Super super. Uh, yeah, I I I know people who. Would Doors, uh, super. I was yeah, mixed. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, but I admired what he was trying to do. With totally, it. yeah. it's it's him basically auditioning for Marvel or DC. And yeah. you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. in a way, in a way, in a way. Yeah, I, I felt like more like he was criticizing them for what they were not trying to do, right? Or yeah. to show that, like, oh yeah, by the way, they fucking kill people, and like yeah. Zack Snyder's like, hold my beer, and also about like the you know the sexual <clears throat> content, the like the female to male ratio. Yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff going on in there that is really fascinating and interesting, but as a story, it's kind of like, Ooh, I feel really gross watching. This. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is what he coming from trauma is like, he really respects all aspects of filmmaking, everything from, you know, just the, the actors themselves, the writing, but also again, to practical effects. Yeah. And like, he is great with violence and, and, and gore. Oh, man, like, he knows how to do he it. He knows how to do it so well. And, uh, like, God, thinking about, like, Elliot Page getting their fucking head blown off oh, yeah. in Super, I'm like, fuck! Uh, but, like, in, uh, what is this again? Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, it's it's violent, too, and it's kind of ridiculous, but, like... It, it, it gets the, gross as 
fuck at points, but yeah. it's also so, sometimes gross, followed by just like laugh out loud, funny, absurd weirdness. Oh, yeah. And okay, first off, I never in a billion years before Trainwreck would have thought John Cena was this incredibly talented comedic actor. Like uh, until he he was the best part of that movie, then he wasn't supposed to be. Right? right, right. Like he was like this little small supporting role, and you're like, oh my god, John Cena is a fucking hysterical in this movie, yeah. and he is his it's continued on and to the point where now I'm starting to go like, maybe we should just hire wrestlers for comedic roles. Now. I'm sorry. <laughs> wrestlers are fantastic. Um, He is so funny in this part. He is so good. Almost everybody is good in this. Daniel Brooks as Leota Adebayo, who is the daughter of Amanda Waller, who becomes kind of his best friend here is just oh, tremendously yeah good you just feel affectionate towards her because of how much john cena protects her as well um freddie stroma is a very weird take on a kind of classic c-list dc character vigilante it's a very different take oh on the yeah character. he's great in like this. total like basement nerd guy he he is the guy the toxic nerd who's even more toxic than peacemaker that <laughs> peacemaker kind of feels bad for yeah and kind of is like he's like all right buddy come he's on. like okay i'm learning why aren't you learning right type of thing yeah. really really good i mean this cast is just great across the board but and i was especially fond of steve ag as uh john who's the argus agent who works on this project here who's just very very funny and oh yeah this whole thing is like everyone's like you dye your beard right and he's like no i don't dye my oh, beard that's right but he is lovable and you're just like you kind of fall in love with this character there's a lot and james gunn's wife uh who plays um, amelia harcourt uh she's Mm -hmm. great in it too oh yeah agreed yeah i mean everyone in it like it's he he um the eagle an eagly oh my god Uh, look he james gunn just has such a great affinity for uh misfits and again coming from his background it it fits so well where like he can take Z, D, C list like characters out of whatever property and make it f- them fucking amazing. Agreed. Like watching this, like I would watch this more than any of the Batman movies. Yeah. <laughs> like that Zack Snyder was ever trying to do is like any day of the I week. Saw someone yesterday go, the Batman was the best superhero product of last of this year, and I was like, you're insane. <laughs> Because first off, well, I, I actually we kind of love that movie, but uh, uh, but even if you're just going, looking at Peacemaker versus it, I'm like Peacemaker is so much better. Than sure, sure, that's <laughs> a little unfair, but yes, if you're going to say just superhero property, fine. The Batman is not very good. You're out of your goddamn mind. It's not very good. Next up is the Batman. No, uh, it's not. We already reviewed that no. in the previous show. Okay. Uh, but there are a lot of bonus features, like a lot of EBK stuff here, as you would expect from this sort of thing. Like tons and tons and tons of like, here's a look at every single team maker. Here's a look at the CGI rendering. The gag reel is hysterical. I did not get a chance to watch the gag reel. It's, it's, it's on YouTube. Okay. It's, it's hysterical. Okay. All right. And then Steve Agee has an on-set like video that he goes around with. Um, there's a lot of extra features here. So if you're looking to, like, is this worth buying? It's on my streaming. Well, first off, you can't trust anything that's going to stay on streaming anymore, especially not on HBO. Just ask Westworld. Or any number of other shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, it is actually worth 
oh, getting totally. it for all the bonus features. And just make sure this will always be in your collection because you're going to want to rewatch Peacemaker. You really will. And speaking of Westworld, hey, Westworld Season 4, which is no longer available on HBO or it's about to no, no now. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's, uh, yeah, it's about, it's about to be taken to be off. All of Westworld. What a, that guy is insane who's running HBO. It's crazy. He's insane. Yeah. I'm like, you've lost your goddamn mind. He's like, we just put this out. It was a moderate but pretty good hit for us. It's building a cult audience over yeah. time. And we're like, let's just make it where you can't even see it anymore. It, it feels uh, like uh-huh. HBO, like that decision. I know that Jonathan Nolan and Chris Nolan are, you know, brothers and all, but like, it feels like I, in a way, it's like, you know, you really shouldn't fuck with a Nolan. Yeah. It, it's it's you're not gonna have a good time because well, like everyone ends up loving them yeah. and like you really shouldn't do that and also westworld wasn't bad so hbo has a very long history of creating great stuff partially based on their relationships with creators yeah a good example is mike white who years and years and years ago had a show on there that uh enlightened yeah that nobody watched but any other network would have just canceled immediately. HBO was like, two seasons. It's not working. Like He's like, can I have another season to finish the story? And they said, absolutely. Right. They gave him everything he wanted to finish the story because they wanted him to feel happy. He did. He was happy. And guess what that guy did several years later? Right. The White Lotus. Exactly. Which has turned into one of the biggest hits they've had in a long time. Yeah. Right. And the only reason he did it through HBO was because of how kindly they treated him. How well they treated him. Which would be interesting if he did a light, White Lotus like now, like tried to start it. And they're like, yeah, yeah but Go can this be a reality it. show? Can or? it be about Nazis being good guys and how terrible trans people are? Wait, what? No, the guy who's running it now is famously anti-trans and a real piece of shit. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought you just, as a non-secretary, yeah. like, what of, of all things, the guy who like, who like took over the Discovery Channel and ruined it. Right. Turned it into just... Just a reality garbage I don't know if you TV knew this. Channel. The TLC and Discover are all about learning, and yeah. they ain't no mo. No, no mo. No mo. Uh, and this guy is the guy that they hired to take over HBO that's known for the quality of its art and its relationship with its artists. And he's been canceling shit left and right. So he cancels Westworld, which I admit has not been across the board a major hit. No. But you don't take it off of the streaming platform. All four seasons <laughs> is like, bye. And like he did, he's doing that with that. He's doing it with a, a couple other things too. Which yeah, is like many other things. Yeah. I was like, whoa, what the like, fuck? Like including you doing, shows bro? that just finished their run, just like Westworld. Yeah. We're like, we're just, you can't get it. It's not accessible. It's, it's, I, I really it's, wonder it, it how has, it has to do with, um, his idea is that because every time someone watches it, we have to play pay residuals to everyone involved. And his <sighs> concept is that's saving money. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you don't really but don't you realize that people want to subscribe and get it no, to watch it? He's garbage. Everybody, like, it's, you know, HBO is a part of Warner Brothers, right? Right. You know how badly they fuck shit up left and right. The only good decision they've made in, like, the last five years was making James Gunn the head of, like, D, of DC Entertainment. Which now, at this point, I'm kind of fucking surprised yeah. that they made that, like... 
Doctor Will make James Garner the head of this DC. Ah, James Garner. I like his name. I like guns. I like guns. <laughs> Why do we put like hoarders on HBO Max? <laughs> anyway, like, Westworld season four. <laughs> hey, I forgot we're talking about Westworld. It's the second best Westworld season. It is true. And uh, I know that might be difficult to hear for you, those of you who gave up early on because Westworld well, season uh, one. Season two is just kind of like, ew. Westworld season one is fantastic. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. And Westworld season two is like, this isn't, it's really feels like it's just treading water, just like Lost season two did. It feels right. like it's the equivalent of Lost season two. I, I, I feel you there. Yeah. And then season three, I forget. Season three uh, is fucking terrible oh that's the 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 future one with uh aaron paul they just go like you know what forget all that let's just go into this other thing yeah like look forget everything from before we'll just bring some of these characters in totally it's almost like those characters read a book called westworld and (laughs) that's about it and well i i do like again some of the there's always a central idea or like a, yeah. a thing that's going on in each of the seasons. And I kind of like that. And it, and what I really love about, again, the Nolans is that they are their idea of time. And what does that mean? And how do we present it on in a story and on screen? And uh, this season, I thought did it very well because mm-hmm. it felt very reminiscent of the first season. Yeah. And, uh, and but it, in a totally different way, in a very different way. Yeah, it's not. But, it's not just redoing it. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. And uh, but uh, because like you're you you get kind of uh, like how people started to guess what the what the twist was with in my Shalomon movies where you're like, oh, okay, so this is not actually happening right now. Blah blah blah. And uh, so like you kind of get that, but like it still throws you for a loop. No, it's playing the same tricks season one did. Yeah. of like the time tricks. Like okay, not everything is happening in the in the the, the in present the linear sense that you you think they are yeah. but it's funny how once it starts getting to the actual solution of everything how that is inherent to everything right the yeah and it's like, important yeah. it's like it's not just for it's like not just the a sake trick. of a it's not a trick or like a, a framing device no yeah. it's actually it's it, an it's contextually it, important to the plot as well. And the, and the characters of how they perceive it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's not only that you're perceiving it as the viewer, it's how the characters are perceiving it, it too. It kind of takes all those ideas in the first one and the way they were doing it and at least thematically brings it to a satisfying conclusion. I yeah. Thought. And I, you know, I, I watched all the seasons just because I wanted to watch it. Yeah. And, um, and I think I reviewed four and three on the the site maybe four uh but you know it's so unfortunate that it was canceled because i really did want to see because they were going to wrap it up in season five anyway yeah which i was baffled by because i was like this isn't the end it ends on a wait there how is there more (laughs) yeah i god only knows uh (laughs) but it's it's very unfortunate the way that it's it's now treated and uh and like everyone who was involved with it like really put forth all their effort like the caliber of people that are in the show from every Rachel wood to uh jeffrey jeffrey wright is a fucking amazing tessa thompson tessa thompson marsden aaron paul and harris sondawee newton yeah yeah, it's it, like it's it's really a oh, Thunderbird with Newton. Jesus Christ, she's so fucking good in this. The quality of the acting, the quality of the writing, the quality of the cinematography and the special effects, the quality of the set design, which is astonishing. Like if I didn't hold up anything, everything's good about this series, but the set designs, holy shit, are just like 
just trippy and beautiful and amazing. Mm. The costuming is just original and, and crazy. And it's like so many different ideas of like time periods and everything. Yeah. Honestly, my biggest disappointment of this that didn't go on to Samurai World, which I was hoping it would. Like, What it, did it in the second season, right? Yeah, it barely touched on it. It's yeah. there, but it's like, okay, just like, it's like Americans with the metric system. Well, it's like, it, it, okay, but I'm done. It, it, what's interesting about this time period is that what I, I dig about the fourth season is that, um, you know, there's no more, well, there is, there isn't, but like Westworld is just a part of the theme park. Westworld itself is not where this is taking place. Anymore. No, it's like now the world is Westworld. Wait, and it's like, it's interesting. I don't want to say too much because I feel like a lot of people never really started this or never got past the first season yeah. because just discussing anything past the first season is a massive spoiler. Right, right. right. Um, and discussing the premise of this season is a massive spoiler if you haven't seen anything like up to this point but i was very satisfied thematically almost entirely by the season yeah. I, I was really into it i remember i came over to your house at one point you were watching it and i had given up after three i was like three was fucking terrible and i i was i was mad i was like what are you doing this is like a okay i guess that didn't work let's try something else and it was like this is a dumb apocalypse f- show you know yeah and I came in, you're watching it. We were on the second or third episode. I was like, oh, you're watching this. And you're like, oh my God, it's so good. I'm like, really? I was like, I I told you I hated season three. He's like, yeah, me too. This is good. <laughs> and you're right, right off the bat from yeah. the get go of the season. You're like, oh, and I was with it from start to finish. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And I, I mean, I just, I. I just dig all the the people that are in this, like it, like watching Evan Rachel Wood just like act the shit out just of anything. It's just it. so good, and like it's really interesting that she is like maybe the Laura Dern of our my generation. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison, and um, because she's because she like you know you could look at her as like this. Uh, this this beauty that should be in all the I big mean, movies. She's and gorgeous. She's but. gorgeous. But like she she chooses roles for a very particular reason that she is interested in and fascinated with the character itself. And it's not lost on me that she chose this. That is a very very challenging and interesting role to play. Or one might even say roles. Roles. Uh, and so like man, just everyone and Aaron Paul like is even better in yeah. this season. He was added to the third season in a sort of like, okay, I get it. Aaron Paul's big right now. And Westworld is big right now. Mm-hmm. And let's bring these things together. And it's unsatisfying in season three, but it's very satisfying in season four. Very. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Thonde Newton is, God, fuck, she's such a badass. Oh, she's um, incredible. And the, still the only character that I was like, I love her. But like the one, like I just didn't really gravitate towards the entire time was Tessa Thompson, and uh, like I'm just like I'm not like clicking a hundred percent because they made a, a switch of her character throughout the series from being a uh, interesting newcomer sympathetic character who felt like the maybe they were going to be a hero character to being outright the villain, but. I never really bought the transfer to villain. Not really. She just became a, well, here's who we got of our big stars that are signed on and we need someone to be the big villain. And Ed Harris can't keep playing the same type of villain. We need him to be more 
interesting in a bigger picture sort of way. Yeah. And so she felt like she got kind of sidelined into the sort of more basic villain sort of. Yeah. It's, role. it's one of the only like characters. I'm just like, ah, oh, you slightly bungled that. But then like, but Harris is fascinating in this. Ed, season. Ed Harris yeah. is fascinating. And, <laughs> uh, and I think that's one of the, 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 the one thing that I think that Jonathan Nolan and uh, his wife, uh, Joy, I forget her name. Yeah, um, um, that they said like, oh, we have the whole like series planned out. Like, no, you fucking didn't. No, you fucking. <laughs> they didn't. always say that. Yeah, they always say that. It's uh, like, thanks, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, sure, you did. Uh, I was like, because I like. There's so many things. By like, that we meant it will have ending credits, right? Because <laughs> because like there there are definitely some episodes where it's like it it's it feels like one of those shows like, kind of like Lost was like. Did you just film this last week? It was like, what the fuck is going on? It definitely in the like the second and third season. And uh, I was like, I don't know if you knew where this is going to go. Uh, but this felt a lot more like kind of making up for the the past couple of seasons and, and and earning where we wanted to see these characters. Yeah, I feel go. like there should be a fan supercut that just combines the only stuff you need to know from season two and three, you know. <laughs> Where you're like, I mean, th- here's th- 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 one hour of just what you need to know, and then you can just watch season one and four. <laughs> I mean, there's still so much that happens in season two and three, uh, but like, I guess you could just like relegate it to the season two is like, what if robots had heaven, right? And uh, yeah. and then three, I forget what it is. I I feel like you could do a supercut episode though of just getting only the relevant information out of there, not like a previously on, but a sort of like make an episode where it's like. This is just the a way to get all that information you need that happened. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe even just two episodes where it's like, okay. Because three, I think you could have covered almost all of that in a sort of like, oh, shit, what happened type of episode. Right, right. You know, like you missed a bunch, but that's, you didn't need to see it. No. We just need to get to where you need to get. Right. Yeah. Four is essential Westworld. One is essential Westworld. Yeah. Two and three, not so much. You can... No, you can't skip. Yeah, you can't skip well, it, unfortunately. Also, but... you can't watch it, so fuck you. Yeah, unless you have the hard copies, which you can buy now you can using buy our on links on Digital on Noise. Digital Noise. Get a kickback. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and for right. All the money goes to the Wright Foundation. Thank you. Yeah. I, I need it. I, I, I just watched a... Uh, uh, 3,000 years, years of long. <laughs> you, you had to pick up the movie and go like, what is this shit called? What is this called again? It was just the first one he picked up. <laughs> he's like, I, he's like, I, I watched know, uh, Creature from Black Light. Uh, anyway, there are some bonus features on here. Uh, every disc has got a few things, overviews of every episode here. Uh, of As is normal for HBO shows like this, there's Westworld on the Road, which looks at the locations used for the season, which are gorgeous. Oh my God, some of them are so gorgeous. When you actually look at how they did it, there's a lot of fusion of yeah. real world locations and CG that you yeah. can't see the, like, I mean, just like incredible. Oh, the yeah. main location where like the bad corporation is living is astonishing. Yeah. You're just like, I know they're bad, but I want it to be real. <laughs> it's so gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, an exploration of humanity, which is a piece with the principal casting crew talking about the metaphysics of the show and then a set tour. Um, yeah, this is, it's really, really solid way to end it. I wish there had been the fifth season they promised only because I'm baffled like he was, they were like, well, apparently when they wrote the fourth season, they wrote the fourth and fifth at the same time. Fuck. But like, like we knew exactly what we were doing. All we knew the fifth, it would be the last. And we wanted to finish it this way. 
and it feels very Philip K. Dickian in the sense that this feels like where would you go from the end of the four season? It's a solid finish to the show. In, in really a way, solid like, there's finish. still like little Ed Harris. Yeah, but, to, but only yeah. but not things that make you feel like there's more. More things that make you feel like you imagine what comes next. Things. Well, yeah. sure, you know, I get that. I mean, it. Yeah, no, uh, All right. I can argue. Well, we got one last thing to talk about. That's the Infernal Affairs film series, oh. which I have been talking up for, oh my God, 10 years now through various things I've done now. These, um, a Hong Kong series of widely respected uh, crime thrillers uh, that came out from uh, 2002 to 2003. Now, this is the Criterion's put the, out all three now in a set. This is the first time I ever saw the third one. I had never seen this, it before. This is the first time I've seen the second and third one. Okay. Yeah. I, I saw the first one um, when I when I first moved here to Austin. I worked at uh, Waterloo Video, uh, wow. which was next well, you, to you Waterloo. You were forced on, under gunpoint to watch them then. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like I worked with a lot of pretentious people. And yeah. the, all I heard was Infernal Affairs is the best movie ever made and The Wire is the best TV show ever made. Like, okay. fuck you. And neither and one finally, of those things are true, but they're both amazing. Well, yeah. I can argue one. Uh, but um, I finally watched both of them and I was like, oh, okay, you're right. And uh, <laughs> And so Infernal Affairs, I watched that before The Departed. And yeah, me too. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. And uh, it, it's so the departed is a remake of the first and right. Front of it. And uh, and now watching the second and third one, I'm like, oh, third one's good. Oh, really? You, you, you only like you didn't like the second one. Second one's OK. It's kind of boring. Actually, I think the second one, and the first one are better than the third one. But OK. Anyway. Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, I mean, the first one's the greatest one, but like... I, yeah, no, the first one's definitely the best one. Yeah. I like all three of them, but I honestly don't recommend... It's not a series you should marathon. Well, <laughs> tell me that a couple days ago. <laughs> no, I know. It's not one to like sit and go and watch all of them because they're kind of long. They're kind of long. And they have kind of the same beats throughout it. Um, there's a Godfather 1, Godfather 2 feel to the first and the second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the second yeah, one yeah. is definitely like... Well, now we're doing this sort of going back in time thing, looking at the origin of these characters, using actors that were just in flashback scenes in the first film to be the major characters. Right. Like play those same characters in the second one. But there's also flash forward scenes, although the primary characters are not returning outside of the um, the uh, police uh, uh uh, sergeant that their boss, uh, yeah, yeah, right. right. And, and the, the mafia scenes. boss too. Yeah. But then three goes, ah, fuck it, they're both back now I, with more of the same type of thing. Except now it's like okay. two different time periods and how it all. Like I actually, I really commend the whole series of how it wraps everything up oddly well. Yeah, and because uh, like it could have bungled it like crazy. And if you're unfamiliar, it's. <laughs> It's even I've watched the series a couple times now and I'm still a little confused, but because it's super complicated. But yeah. the idea is like it's police force in Hong Kong. It's right before the West uh, West got kicked out. England England lost control of it and hung and China took back over control, which isn't as apocalyptic as it sounds until like. 15 years later when China was like, Oh yeah, I forgot we own you now. Okay. Get the fuck out liberals. Right. And (laughs) it's happening right now. Right. But, um, it's like, there's a lot of crime there around it. And the idea is that the cops get someone and they send undercover as a trainee into the triads and the triads send someone into the cops 
to train to be a cop to be undercover. Yeah. But now it's like years later and that cop from the triads is huge a big deal and everybody takes him seriously but he's still reporting stuff to the triads right. he's an undercover agent for them and the guy in the triads has become like a number two right. to the main guy and he's sending stuff back to the cops yeah so it's got a kind of the killer aspect john woo the killer right, aspect right, right. going on there too but it, that's one of the things that i think that this movie does uh like re-watching the first one i, I hadn't seen it since i saw the first time and um and I've seen The Departed numerous times at this point. And that's what I still commend about this movie is that like it's kind of the same thing with uh, like Old Boy where uh they they really take their time. And what I mean by that is that Old Boy, he was in prison for 15 years and the American remake he was in prison for 10 years. This the the characters that like Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon play, they're they're in this for like 10 years and like they so they're living this life as a double identity basically for that long and you feel that uh with, definitely with um oh fuck i forget his name uh not is it tony long I forget. tony leong plays the police officer uh, who uh, goes undercover into the triad. And yes. The triad yeah, member who mainly, goes into the police force is Andy Lau. Ma- Both mainly, of which are two of the biggest legends in Hong Kong. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, mainly with, with Tony is that you feel his, like the, his, uh, like kind of wearing away of just like, I can't do this anymore. And like with Leonardo DiCaprio, it just feels like, I mean, I get, I get it. He's great in it, but it's just going to like, sh- shut the fuck up. He's okay. Like, I'm not sure I can fit on this door. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it just feels like it's been like a couple of months. Get the fuck over it. And uh, with him, it's like, I've been doing this for 10 years. I can't do this anymore. Like, oh fuck, you really feel that. But that's, I, okay. So I love the departed. I think Scorsese did a great, oh yeah. Very different version of the base notes of the story. Yeah. But I'm going to hold out and say, I think Infernal Affairs is the better of the two films. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's so much more interesting and filled with depth. And I think even in terms of just straight up performances, I mean, oh yeah, again, Tony Leung and Andy Lau are two of the best actors ever to come out of Hong Kong. Their oh yeah. The list of credits is astonishing. And they're like and, superstars. Like yeah. uh, Andy is like, he's a fucking pop star at the same time. Well, like, every, everybody in Hong Kong. Well, is it's it's crazy. Like, uh, like Jackie Chan has like 12 albums. Yeah. Like you forget. There's like, <laughs> Oh yeah, they're not like just an actor. Yeah. They're a quadruple threat. You're kind of like the, they write, direct, act, sing, kind, and dance. It's kind of the way it goes there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible, but you know, uh, but it's like when a, you're an entertainer, time, you entertain at the all. same time. This was kind of the the tail end of the golden period of Hong Kong films. Yeah. Uh, you know, it really was. This is 2002 when the first one came out, and this is when things were starting to slow down. For the quality of, of Hong Kong films. I mean, it's an astonishing film series here that, that no question is like held up in high regard across the board, but things went downhill pretty fast across this. It felt like this was the final statement on this type of film that had been done many, many, many times in Hong Kong cinema. Yeah. You know, I mean, even this is reminiscent of something like The Killer by John Woo, which is in the 80s. You know, it's a, it's not going for the heroic bloodshed action element. It's more of a drama, but that's true. Yeah. But nonetheless, all those elements are still there, but this has such a great cast. So Anthony Wong, who has been a, 
a mainstay of Hong Kong film since the very beginning of uh, of the eighties when the reinvention post uh, 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 Shaw Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was in. A, I think weren't you on the Untold Story review with me? Uh, I don't know. Oh, maybe not. Maybe right, not. About the serial killer in in Hong Kong based on a real story. Oh, you've was told me about this. pies out of stuff. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's been a legendary actor. Eric Sang, who is usually played for comic effect. and He, he plays, plays the mafia boss, he's right? He's the mafia yeah. boss. And he's so delightful and charming and funny in this series, you know? Which is just insane that, like, yeah. that's the Jack Nicholson character. And, and then also turned out to be a bit of a Harvey Weinstein in real life, as it turned out, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently he's super rapey. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I just read that recently. I was like, oh, no, I really like that guy. Fuck. Fuck. Oh, shit. Everyone is terrible. Everyone is terrible. I don't know. Anyway, uh, nonetheless, this is a great, great, great trilogy of films. And box set. Take your time with it. Don't race through it. Like Wright Don't did. do what Wright did. <laughs> but he still loved it. He's still like, I, yeah, it was great. great. It was... But it, it t- there's so much going on in these. Don't wait too long between films because you'll be like, wait, what happened? Because Th- that's pl- true. Like, the plot is like yeah. super dense. And I, I don't know. I might argue against you about like having to, and like not marathon it's, it because it's like, just a lot. It's it's a lot. But like even marathoning in it, I was like, wait, wh- who? <laughs> like, what's going on? Because. Uh, it's kind of hard to keep up because when it goes back and forth with uh, like when they're younger and then also showing like new characters like, wait, was I supposed to pay attention? Like, who the <laughs> fuck is that? Like, and definitely in the third movie yeah. when they introduce the like the other foil, the other cop, yeah. uh, the security wing guy. Yeah. Uh, it's like, wait. Yeah, he? That's what lost me a bit. Yeah. I was like, yeah. was he in the other one? I was like, oh, he. No, that's wasn't. what lost me in the third one is they introduced that that new character is like, oh, he's been there the whole time. You're like, yeah, we've never seen him before. And it feels like he would have been more relevant to, uh, considering yeah. this placement in the story here. But whatever. It's still a good movie. It's just yeah. like as as a third film that presupposes that this is part this takes place during the other films. You're like, really? OK. Yeah. Like I get it. It's a huge success. They're like, we need another one. <laughs> I just, I just like the, the third movie that, um, it, it's telling two separate stories. One that's post the first one, uh, with whatever happens in the first movie, which if you've seen the departed, it's the exact same thing. It's pretty much the same. Plot. Yeah. Yeah. And, just um, better. and so, uh, but it also still tells, uh, Tony Lung's, uh, story leading up to the events of the first movie. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting that it's doing this. And to see the, uh, like Andy Lau's like, uh, just descent into madness and his guilt is like, that's an interesting take. Like, what if Matt Damon wasn't killed at the end of the departed? It's, it's bizarre. There's not a fan cut of this. That that's just not like here's literally linear, linearly yeah. all the story that it happens. Now it wouldn't make any sense thematically to watch it that way. Right. You wouldn't get the tone. You wouldn't get what it's context would have been thrown out the from, window. Yeah. But it would be interesting to watch it. It would be interesting to watch a supercut of it that way, where it's like these are all in chronological order of what actually. Oh, happens. that would be crazy. Yeah. It's like watching Memento. But just like watching forwards. all this stuff, like <laughs> in straightforward, you're like, yeah. okay, I guess. Anyway, this is great. If you've never seen it, you should at least try the first film. Oh yeah. But honestly, a blind buy of Criterion putting out these the these upgraded with a lot of bonus features, tons. I mean, I don't really know else know what else to 
tell you guys, except this is definitely the pick of the week. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, hold on. Um, oh, no, you think Creature from Black Lake? Oh, yeah, never mind. Yeah, uh, yeah it's an Infernal Affair. Yeah, it's definitely uh, Infernal. <laughs> like, the, uh, yeah, out of all of these, uh, oh, yeah, what the fuck am I on? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, you've taken serious drugs. You've taken, like... Lost Highway drugs, if you thought of otherwise. Oh, a that was last week. Last week. Last week's. Last should week. have been pick of the week. Oyster crackers. <laughs> Sorry. Oyster I love Burt Lancaster talking anytime. So I would love to hear it's like Burt Lancaster says like the pick of the week well, is the Infinite Bear trilogy. We're gonna end the show going out as we should always with the Crypt Keeper telling all you guys to have a, a great month. <laughs> or whatever. All you guys and ghouls, you should have a great rest of the month and a happy new year. <laughs> okay, you gotta work on the final laugh. That's okay, well, I don't, I, I it's smoker. Not, it's more of like, it gets a little higher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh man. Fuck, this cryptic gear. <laughs> this cryptic gear uh, impression is gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>